and welcome to the Onstage Colorado podcast for mid-February. I'm Alex Miller, and once again, I'm here with Tony Tresca. Hey, Tony. Hey, Alex. Good to be back. Yeah, yeah, you had the, the weekend off, so. I did. I took a little bit of time. My partner was in town this weekend, and so we went and we did some art-related things. We went to, we saw, went to Meow Wolf this weekend uh, for great. super, super cool art exhibit. And we, we saw, we hit up a Rocky Horror Shadow cast this weekend uh, over at the Ellie Cochran's Opera House. This uh, this group over there they do uh, they do Rocky Horror Shadow cast once a month. They started back, they did it in January and we caught their February showing. They've got another one that'll be happening in March on the 10th. It was incredibly well done. They've got if you've never been to one of these Rocky Horror uh, productions before, and I, I know there are a lot of people out there who haven't because our showing was filled with a ton of virgins. Um, which was always it's uh-huh. it's super fun and this was a great place to experience it was right above the Ellie Cochran's Opera House we literally rode up in the same elevator that the ballerinas were using over also at the opera house. Oh, awesome. What, what, what is a Rocky Horror Shadow cast? Oh, oh my gosh. Okay. I yes. don't know what it is. Rocky Horror <laughs> Shadow cast. So it is when the film is playing at, uh, up on the a big screen and right. in front of that screen, there is a live cast of actors who are playing, who are in costume and playing like lip syncing all of the rolls along oh to goodness. it and so the, the audience is like they have little grab bags full of items that they throw at the screen people are shouting out cues so all of that is still there but instead of it just being a traditional film showing you've also got like this cast of actors up there and the troupe who put it on was just really they were really something special colorado elusive ingredient they, they did a really nice job <laughs> Oh, that's great, man. It is amazing how much stuff has been sort of milked out of that property. I mean, this film was back in the mid seventies uh, and it just lives on. <laughs> it's, amazing. Amazing. it's true. It's a, I think I read somewhere it's the longest running film in continuous operation because it's never been pulled from its original release because there's always been a theater that's been showing right. it since the seventies. Amazing. All right. Well, um, so uh, welcome back. Uh, In this episode, we're going to review what's on stage right now and what's coming up and hit on some of the shows we've seen recently. Uh, And then later in this episode, I had a great interview with Grady Soaps, uh, who, in addition to being the casting director at the Denver Center Theater Company, is also the organizer and producer of the Colorado New Play Summit, which is coming up this weekend. It's the annual event at DCPA that features readings of new plays, and some of them go on to full productions at the theater, like right now. Uh, Hotter Than Egypt is was I saw that uh, in 2019 at the New Place Summit, the reading and got to talk to the playwright back then. And and you're going to go see that uh, on Friday, I think so. I am. I'm I'm really looking forward to it uh, going opening night, uh, be reviewing it for the site. So excited to discuss it after I've seen it. And are you are you going to get a chance to see it? I'd be really interested to hear your reaction to it after having seen its development at the New Place Summit. You know, I'd like to. I'm, I'm sorry. Sorry that it just my my calendar just didn't work out. Um, uh, this Friday, uh, I don't know if I will or not, but Friday I'm going to be going to the Catamounts have this thing, uh, the feed or feed, 
that's a, I guess it's a, a regular series that they do where they do some sort of a theatrical performance alongside like food and, and drink tastings. And I, I really don't know exactly what it is. So I'm really, uh, I got to sit down with, uh, uh Amanda, who is the, the artistic okay. director, Amanda Berg Wilson over there at the Catamounts. And I spoke to them, uh, spoke to her as well as Jason Maxwell, who is one of the actors and Sam Gilstrap as well. And one of the actors and one of the shows for writers about that for a piece that I did for Boulder Weekly. And it sounds like it's this is their 27th time doing a feed series. And it's this kind of blend Uh of food and music. And this one is the first one that they've brought in writers to write original pieces for it for the first time. So it sounds like it's going to be something really unique and special. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And I guess it's set in sort of like a ski lodge or something. So the theme is après. So um, another uh, show that I just reviewed was Miss Holmes and Miss Watson uh, from Boulder's Butterfly Effect Theater Company. And, uh, well, you know, it was a fun show. It was really fun. It happened to be, uh, you know, it's the last production for the husband-wife team of Stephen Weitz and Rebecca Romali, uh, who helped found Betsy and announced last fall they were stepping away to pursue other things. So Stephen directed this one, and Rebecca plays uh, Not a Doctor Watson opposite Anastasia Davidson as Sherlock Holmes. And you did a previous story about this for, was it Boulder Weekly? Uh, yeah, this one was for Westward. Uh, and I, yeah, I got to sit down with the three folks who you just named to, to kind of discuss the not only the show, but also just the the kind of what this what the show means to both Rebecca and Stephen. This is kind of an opportunity for them to get to work with a lot of people who have really contributed to the success of the organization that they the husband and wife team had built over the years in Boulder and kind of how the theater landscape has really changed in Boulder since when they first got there. When they first got there, it was really only Shakespeare and dinner theater. Now there are quite a few other options in there. That's true. I think Upstart Crow's been around for quite a while, but um, but yeah, you would think Boulder would have have even more theaters going on. Uh, but it's a fun show. So Anastasio um, Davidson plays uh, Sherlock Holmes. It's just this manic, like just crazed. I mean, she jumps out all over. stage. It's almost like she's doing some weird ballet uh, and she turns it up to 11 and she kind of never, never lets down. And, and uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's definitely fun to watch. So um, I don't if, are you going to get a chance to see that or did you see it? I have not gotten a chance to see it. I'm trying to work it into my schedule. I wouldn't seem okay. to do it. Seems like one that I'd like to catch before it goes. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, another show we both saw is Laughs in Spanish at the Denver Center. So uh, in my review, I noted, you know, just how funny it is with laughs, you know, yes, in both Spanish and English. And it had a great cast, uh, particularly the mother and daughter who are sort of each other's at each other's throats the whole time. Stephanie Maldonado and uh, Maggie Bofill. And it's 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 a bit lightweight on the plot side, I thought. But what, what was your take on it? Yeah, I got to agree. I think that you've highlighted the best performances in the piece. That's also in the their relationship and dynamic is the place in which I think the writing excels the most it has a lot the piece has a lot to say about mothers and daughter relationships and it has a lot to say about i think women of color in arts leadership positions i don't know how much it has to say about the with the like the side plot about pregnancy and kind of like the its relationship to artistry i i kind of see and the end was also a little bit um abstract I'm not a hundred. I liked the monologue performance by by the mom that kind of ends it as she towers over the piece. But it is a really sudden 
shift for the piece that kind of comes out of nowhere. You know, I didn't really get the, the women of color part. And I know they, they talked about that in some of the, the theater notes. You know, it seemed it didn't seem to me that, a, a, a you know, a Latina, you know, running an art gallery in Miami would be that unusual. So I'm not sure how much of that is there, but you, you saw some of it. I, I think I saw some of it, at least in how uh, Stephanie's character was kind of having to relate to the world and was navigating both the relationships with the artists from the community, but also kind of having to be like, yeah, we're but we're also selling to not our community. We are selling to right. like these rich, white, rich people, white people, which is I also <laughs> yeah. thought was ironic because as I looked around me in Denver, that was who the piece was playing to. So I wonder if there's a bit of irony in in that at all. But because it was the piece, this piece about uh, representation was playing to a largely white crowd. Yeah. Right. So, you know, another another one that you reviewed recently as uh, Sophisticated Ladies, uh, which is at Vintage in Aurora. Um, what was what's your take on that one? I think you really liked it, didn't you? Yes, I there's I saw up today. There's only like 20 something tickets left to this uh, as of now. So this one's going to sell out. If you have not gotten your tickets yet, what are you doing? Go get it. Uh, Christopher <laughs> Page Sanders has done such a remarkable job of taking this kind this loose structured musical review. It's not a, it, there's no plot. I, I, it's not an stretch to say that. It is a l expression of kind of the feeling of listening to Duke Ellington's music. And there's some, this beautiful ballet, dream ballet in the second act that kind of hints at um, his, Duke Ellington's creative process. But the large majority of it is just like this performance of all of these numbers and it's super joyous the choreography is super super incredible vintage they've basically cleared their full stage to just make way for uh -huh. such impressive ensemble massive ensemble choreography and then jodel charles is leading their band and i, I got to agree with what eric said in his review the only thing that was disappointing about it was not being able to see the full band on the stage i understood it was for um spatial purposes in there but they had three of the instruments and they had the other ones above and you really just wish you could have had that feeling of seeing them all on the stage live but yeah other than that yeah. I, I really can't recommend it enough i just thought that all the performances were exceptional and just it's a great way to hear the songs all right that's great and yeah my mistake that was uh, eric fisher who reviewed it for for our site and and also he he also reviewed the Great American Trailer Park musical at Miner's Alley and Golden and really liked it. I saw that show a few years ago. I can't remember who it was. It was at the Bug Theater, so um, I can't remember what, the, what company it was. And it's a fun show. I mean, it's exactly what it sounds like, <laughs> uh, but the music is actually pretty good in it uh, and and pretty catchy and and funny. So um, on on a other end of the spectrum, another one I reviewed recently is the classic Eugene O'Neill play A Moon for the Misbegotten oh, at Cherry that Creek one? Theater. So you know. You know, as they always do, Cherry Creek did a great job with the production, uh, and I really enjoyed the performances. Uh, but uh, Emily uh, Patton Davies was uh, Josie, and uh, Kaharda Lindsay as Jamie Tyrone, uh, and he's you know O'Neill. Onila Files will recognize him as one of the sons in A Long Day's Journey into Night. And so this is kind of like, I don't know, in a way, kind of like a spinoff. Um, and then one of my favorite Colorado actors, Chris Kendall, uh, plays this very crusty, very salty Irish tenant farmer. Uh, and and there's, some, there's some great performances. And I was talking to an uh, artistic producer at Cherry Creek, Susie Snodgrass, before. And she was telling me this was a cutting of uh, about an hour off the original. So it was still two and a half oh, hours. Wow. Yeah. And it is a very dialogue heavy show. The whole second act is the um 
you know, but uh, Josie and uh, Jamie characters just kind of, uh, I don't know, sort of just going in circles, talking uh, a lot. <laughs> um, and so, uh, you know, I, it's not for everybody. If you're not, you know, you, you got to really uh, be like heavy drama to, to enjoy this for sure. But uh, but really well done. So um, also on our site, I just posted our, our uh, Colorado Springs reviewer. April took is back. She had a bit of a hiatus, uh, but she reviewed uh, the 1993 Steve Martin play Picasso at the La Panagile at Millibo Art Theater, which is running through uh, February 26th. And she said, you know, it's a really in their intimate theater is well cast uh, with, a, with a great uh, lot of talent and insightful direction. And uh, I know she really likes Millibo Art Theater. Have you um, heard of it uh, before? It's kind of like a it's a really interesting theater that does circus stuff. They do improv they do straight plays like this sometimes so they've always got something interesting cooking there. Um, so yeah, if you're, if you're ever uh, down in the Springs, check out uh, Milibo or the mat as they call it. Um, so let's take a look at, so it's a, uh, we were talking just before we started recording about how unbelievably busy uh, theater scene is in Colorado. I know um, uh, Lisa Kennedy just did a big story about that very fact in the, in the Denver post and just kind of outlined all the stuff going on in February. And it's, it's, it's a lot. I, it is truly a lot. I've just, I've been trying to put together my schedule for March just at, as of, as of this week. And I've just been getting overwhelmed <laughs> looking at the calendar. Cause there's uh-huh. just, it feels like every weekend you've got like three or four uh, releases and this upcoming is no exception. We've got quite a few n- new openings on the horizon all across Colorado. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's uh, and uh, I have to say also, I think this may be the biggest weekend yet for Onstage Colorado in terms of the number of shows we're going to be covering this weekend. Because, uh, well, let me just hit on them. So we talked about Higher Than Egypt. You're hitting that one at the Denver Center. And uh, Feed at the Catamounts. I'll check that out. Uh, I'm going to I'm going up to Carbondale on Saturday to Thunder River Theater Company to see You Can't Take It With You. Uh, and so this is a really interesting show. Um, so Bob Moore uh, is a, a really well-known actor in Colorado who's a, an old acting friend of mine. We, you know, we used to do a lot of work together at the Backstage Theater. Uh, and his daughter, Missy, is the artistic director at Thunder River. So she's directing dad uh in this one kind of a classic uh classic comedy that uh, it's been a while since i've seen it so i'm looking forward to to that um in aurora eric uh, fisher is gonna get to uh, see the year of magical thinking and then all the way down in durango uh deborah mayu uh who occasionally contributes to the site is uh, gonna see songs for the new uh songs for a new world at uh, fort lewis college and and typically we don't cover college shows but there's there's just not a, a ton going on down there so uh, and, and and apparently they have a really good theater program there uh so so look forward to that and then um up up on the other end of the state in fort collins bob blue is doing a neil simon stalwart lost in yonkers or yonkers as you should say and my sister sue is going to check that one out and she's uh i told her my sister my sister uh still has a, a her long island accent that she's hung on to uh, for, for all these years and she's up in fort collins uh and then also up up that in that direction um our, our other reviewer, Carrie, is going to check out Brigadoon at the Candlelight, the dinner theater there, kind of in that nether region between uh, Denver and Fort Collins and Johnstown. Uh, and then and then back down in Littleton, uh, Eric Fisher will see I love you. You're perfect. Now change. Uh, so ton. Yeah, ton going on. Um, and uh, and then if, as we look into the following weekend, so you and I will both be at the new play summit at the Denver Center. So looking forward to that. Um, yes. You know, these are readings, so we don't review them. Uh, 
you know, I think you'll, you're going to do a roundup. I, yeah. So uh, yeah, for Boulder weekly, I've got a roundup. I got to sit down with a couple of the playwrights as well as I also got to talk with Grady, uh, from the DCPA Uh just about it. So on the 23rd, I'll, I'll have a piece for Boulder weekly. That's just going to kind of give folks a preview of what's coming to the play, to the Colorado new play summit. And then maybe after, cause, and then we'll both go to it that weekend. And then maybe after that, we can kind of talk on the podcast a little bit more about like what we thought about our experience at the summit and yeah. the plays and kind of the work that came out of there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Stick around and listen to, uh, so, uh, you know, Grady and I talk a lot about, uh, you know, the, the origins of the new play summit and kind of all that goes into it. And, uh, it is, it's really a fun couple of days, uh, to, to, uh, for theater in Colorado. Um, this will be my first one and I'm super excited. I, this is, uh, I, I've heard about, I had heard about this festival even back when I was in Texas, uh-huh. like Denver new play summit is got, it's got like tra- name recognition all across the United States. It's getting big. It's produced some bangers. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Another interesting thing. Thing coming up is that it's an old show, but a new theater company called Clover and B. Uh, they're doing uh, the Bell of Amherst, which is this one woman show. Um, uh, Jessica Robley is is uh, playing the part. Uh, and it's about um, uh, Emily Dickinson. Uh, and it's uh, um, so Mark Reagan is uh, a, a guy I've known for a while. He's uh, you know, he's he's acted in Colorado Shakespeare Festival. He's been involved in uh, the Breckenridge Backstage Theater. Uh, yeah, he's he's a, he's an interesting guy and he knows, you know, he's an actor and director, but he's also uh, he's kind of a, like a patron, uh, an arts patron, too. And he's uh, you know very generous uh, with his time and, and some of his, his money. So looking forward to seeing that and and then that's going to be at Buntport uh, since they don't have uh, a theater space yet and then this other show coming up in Tigany is at CU in Boulder and you're you're going to check that one out right I am going to check that one out so this one is a modern adaptation of Antigone um, it's set at a all girls Catholic school in the 90s oh, wow. and. <laughs> it follows these cat. Yeah, these girls are doing a at their Catholic high school. This is the first year that they've got a drama club, and they're doing Antigone. Um, and it just fo- it follows that story. So I am very excited to check it out. It's being performed uh, at CU, where I where I attend school. Yeah, so be an easy I'm one. excited. It's definitely it's right there. <laughs> Is it going to be in Old Main? Is that correct? Uh, it is going to be in Old Main because currently, as of right now, uh, the main two the, two of the theater spaces, the main theater space as well as the black box space, which uh, in the theater building on CU are under construction right now. Uh, they're currently being renovated, and so this one will be over in Old Main, which is yeah, uh, it's the original. It was like the first building at CU when they when they yes. I think. Uh, uh, so yeah, I'm a buff uh, as well. So I've, I've been in that building. It's a very kind of creaky old building. I didn't know there was any kind of performing space in it. So that'll be interesting. So it's just like this auditory, like this, it, it's this kind of, it's perfect for like a cheap high school kind of setting play because it's like this kind of rinky dink auditorium tucked away in this in the building, minimal lights okay. and set. Um, and so it's kind of got a bare bones feel to it, which, so I'm excited to see how some theater in that space again. 
Yeah, that's really neat. And uh, also coming up, uh, looking looking ahead at a weekend is a show called Seven Words for Love, which is a, a, a little production company called Luna Seas. Uh, and they're performing at the Masonic Lodge in Fort Collins. And uh, Sue Miller will be checking that one out. So I don't know. I don't know a lot about that one, but that should be interesting. And then a uh, really well-known show, Our our Town, is going to be at the Arvada Center. And Eric Fisher is going to check that out. And I imagine that will be a, a really nice production because, of course, Arvada Center always does a great job. Yeah, it's a, that, that one's directed by Jeffrey Kent over there, and oh, yeah. it's the it's the first of their two shows in rep this season. Uh, I got to sit down with with Jeffrey um, as well as Matt, who's doing the pantomime and acting in the show, um, and, and then Emily Van Fleet, who is also acting and doing the musical direction for Our Town, and they're really just focusing on this production on delivery on just. Del- delivering the text as is and and kind of like introducing it to new audiences um, through this really truthful adaptation that honors the words because as Jeffrey said really I think just astutely it's almost harder as a director when you have such good text to work with because you can't hide behind flashy direction you've got the bones here you've just got to make it work right oh that sounds that sounds great Um, also coming up uh, I'm just going to hit this list kind of quick Uh, Wheat Ridge Theater Company is doing Cyrano de Berger and they just got their own space. Uh, so they're just a couple of years old and I don't know the whole story, but I think, I think maybe the town of or city of Wheat Ridge helped them. Uh, so they've got their own, their own space now, which is always a big step for any theater company to, to get their own, their own place to perform. So that's awesome for them. Murder in Hollywood is, is, is going on at Adam's mystery playhouse. Uh, and then the Springs ensemble theater company is doing a show called the burn. And I think you were talking about maybe going to that, weren't you? I have. I have not been able to find a time to get to Colorado Springs. Is the only is the only rub in there. Okay. Uh, but Do you it know does, what that show's about? I it's a I guess modern adaptations of classic shows are all the rage right now because it's a modern adaptation of The Crucible set at a high school. Okay. Um, so for fans who for literary fans, this is a, you're gonna have you're having a field day this weekend. Okay. Well, I got another one of those right after this at theater. Silco, uh, formerly known as the Lake Dillon Theater Company, and, and uh, they're doing an Iliad, which is a, 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 a they call it an ancient tale of Trojan War collides with the modern world. So that should be interesting. It's a one person uh, show. It's like just this one guy doing a modern monologue version of the play. It's a, the text itself is super beautiful. So I, I hope that they do. I, I, I hope that they keep that. They're able to capture uh-huh. that. I know I've, I've seen them do really great work over there. And this oh, yeah. is the first one after the name change though because that's always exciting yeah yeah i know it's like how long how many uh long do we have to keep have say you know formerly known as the lake Dillon theater company it's probably probably <laughs> like a year maybe um i feel like people are still saying that about boulder ensemble theater with like the butterfly effect though so i don't know it could, it yeah. could be longer <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, up in Evergreen, Evergreen players are doing a, a show called Chapter Two, which I think deals with like uh, divorce and yes, kind of the second second act of, of the characters' lives. Um, and then uh, in Pueblo, the Impossible Players are doing a show called According to Rumor. The 11 Minute Theater Company is uh, going to be doing Amadeus at the People's Building in Aurora. Um, and this is a great show. A Doll's House Part Two is uh, open stage in Fort Collins is doing that at the Lincoln Center and the, the Denver Center did that one um a year or two ago and it's a great great show it's a comedy a dark uh, comedy but it's yeah. uh, 
I've I've only ever gotten to read the text. I know it won the Tony Award a few years back, and uh, I I saw that it, it recently it got pushed back a weekend uh, due to some something that happened within the cast. But it's so it'll be now opening the the first weekend of March. But the, I'm I'm excited for that one. That's over in out in Fort Collins. Right. Yeah. Um, and then uh, back down in Colorado Springs, funky little theater company is doing uh, another stalwart steel magnolias, which honestly is always a great show. It's such an amazing script. If you can, I, I've never seen steel magnolias. Oh, you you got to check it out. It's one of those. I got yeah. It's just it makes I am not the crying type and I actually generally choke up what what is the plot what is that one what is that oh, one about? No, still magnolias it's it's a it's about these these women that that all hang out in this beauty parlor in the south and the, one of the young women uh is fighting cancer and doesn't make it and it's but it's funny as hell uh and 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 sad at the same time so it's it, you, you can see why it, it's done so often so that'll be a good one and uh fuck your little theater company is uh you know they they're a little sporadic but they uh i, I know april down in colorado springs has seen a few things there that she's really liked so and then uh, uh denver center has stomp coming through if you've never seen stomp before which which i haven't <laughs> um but I, I will be around to see it this time so uh and then the Cold Creek Theater Company of Louisville, they're doing Death Trap. And that's just part of what's going on. So, of course, for all the listings, you can go to the Onstage Colorado website and all of that stuff is on the calendar. I'm sure I missed a couple in there, but we were trying to hit some of the highlights. And uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing a lot of this stuff. It's a lot. It's a really interesting mix of, of stuff upcoming. We've got a, night, a really nice combination of world premier, like world premieres coming up. And then, of course, you the treasured class classics that just are the staples of, of these theaters right now. So, but it's, it's, it's nice. It's a, there's a, there's a really yep. nice mixture of stuff in here. Yeah, there really is. I think there's something for everybody uh, going on in, in the Colorado theater this, this month. And it sounds like March is going to be just as busy. So, uh, so we're going to be, we're doing this podcast uh, for now. We're just doing it twice a month. Uh, so we'll be back in, in early March to talk about those shows. And uh, Tony, once again, thanks for for uh, being on and, and uh, doing all those reviews and just getting out there and covering theater like like a madman. Thank you so much for having me. Always a joy to just get to, to sit down and chat theater with you. All right. When we come back, my interview with Grady Soaps, casting director at the Denver Center Theater Company. And we're going to talk about the new play summit coming up soon. We'll be right back. All right, so Grady Soaps uh, at the Denver Center for the Performing Arts, the theater company there. You are the, um, what's, what is the actual title? Your casting director or? Uh, director of casting and artistic producer, yeah. Okay, great. So you were just telling me that you've been uh, at the Denver Center for about 12 years now in, in different capacities, starting out in choreography, but now uh, mostly focused on casting. But you still do uh, some some choreography out and about. I, I think I saw, was it last year, The Liar at the Arvada Center? You had choreographed that. Have you done anything since then? Yeah, I had. I actually, 2022 was a really exciting season. I was able to do The Liar at the Arvada Center that was directed by Jeff Kent. Jeff and I have worked together on many uh, productions before. And then that kind of led into um, being able to choreograph Into the Woods at the Arvada Center. 
um, as Jeff and Lynn Collins have a great relationship and he was able to recommend me for that job. And then, um, just wrapped up Christmas Carol at DCPA. Great. Oh, that's always a fun show. Yeah. This year we, we reimagined, um, several elements of the Denver center's Christmas Carol. And so, um, some new folks in the design team, a new director, Anthony Powell, and then Anthony was able to bring me on to choreograph, which was just really exciting as he's someone who I've admired in the community for many years. So be able to, to be able to work with him was just a joy. So um, I wanted to talk a little bit about your background. You know, everybody's got, I don't know, most people seem to have like that moment or something that happened that made them realize they're going to be a theater hooked on theater. Uh, But where did you grow up and and go to school? And what was that? Uh, Was that one thing? Yeah, I mean, I grew up in Southern Colorado, Alamosa, Colorado. And, um, you know, I was just an arts kid. My parents, my parents are very artistic people. My dad used to be a drummer for Willie Nelson, which is really exciting. And oh, wow. my mom is just, you know, uh, as artsy as they come. And so, uh, growing up in Alamosa, my background to begin with was with dance, you know, like that was my hobby growing up. Um, I did a lot of theater in high school, middle school, all those things, but as I was growing up, I was really kind of trying to pursue the professional dancer uh, path. And then I went in in high school. I moved to Illinois to uh, apprentice with the Illinois Ballet Company for a few years. And then after that finished up, I was graduating high school at that same time, came back to Colorado and ended up uh, getting my degree in dance from Colorado State University and met several folks through that uh, process and ended up dancing with Third Law Dance Theater for many years up in Boulder. And while I was doing that, I was simultaneously working for um, Perry Mansfield, which is a performing arts school and camp up in Steamboat Springs, Colorado. And one of the things that I was doing in Steamboat was, um, you know, helping coordinate their new play festival up there. Uh, they have this amazing new play festival that brings in five regional organizations from around the nation and they curate the organization. So they're welcoming in at the time Denver Center was participating, South Coast Repertory, Actors Theater of Louisville. So they curate the companies, but then the companies curate the works that they're excited to bring out and develop. So I really started to kind of get that itch for new play development uh, at that time and was working with a lot of regional theaters in the nation. And then as I was kind of figuring out that I was more leaning towards a choreographic administrative career, not really loving the performative aspect of the dance world, uh, Denver Center was hiring this position to help coordinate the um, Colorado New Play Summit. And so I had that that experience from Perry Mansfield and had met the Denver Center team through that festival. So it was just a very easy match because I knew the whole team that was there. I knew how to help out with new play development. Um, and so I came on board at the Denver Center. And then uh, my role has just grown throughout the um, nine years that I've been with the artistic team at the Denver Center. Okay. So you started out um, as the new play summit guy. Um, yep. And then how did you get into the casting side of things? And obviously well, there's some real overlap there, but yeah, I think that's exactly it. You know, as I started as the artistic coordinator, you know, um, that, that had a lot of uh, casting assistance that came with that role. But when you're thinking about new play development, casting is such a key component, especially when you were talking about the workshop process, right? Um, Which is what the Colorado New Play Summit is all about. You have to be able to read and assess these plays and identify actors who are one, flexible enough to be able to 
roll with the punches as a new play is changing, but also be versatile enough to to know that the play can change quite a bit and, and find an actor that can still fit the role, even if the play changes drastically throughout the process. So I think that, that naturally it just began to happen as we were continuing to develop work, develop work and, and things like that, because you just start to meet a lot of people through that process. So many of the actors that I love and admire and have cast and many things are people that I have met through the new play development process. And a lot of that is, is because there's so much more buy-in from the actor in the new play development process, because they are a part of the living, breathing cosm of a new play. You know, they're, they're giving so much to bring that play to life that you get to know them a little bit more than you would through a normal than you would through a normal rehearsal process of a play that's already been produced. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and, and I would say, you know, uh, shout out to you. Uh, the casting on the New Play Summit has been amazing. A lot of times I see these readings and I'm like, there's the cast. Just bring those guys back. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, what I will say is to give credit to the people who are also, um, you know, uh, new play development specifically is such a collaborative effort, you know, that a lot of times these are... Uh, playwrights and directors who are saying, oh, I've written that role with this person in mind, or, you know, as I, as this, you know, pen has come to paper, the person that I'm always thinking about is X, Y, and Z. So it's always really fun to collaborate on that process because we're, it's just such a think pad for artists. And so that's, what's so fun about it is, is because we're not technically, usually we're not auditioning people for new play development. It's just who's in your Rolodex and who's in mine. And we get to have really exciting conversations about why we think these are going to be the folks that are the most ideal for the role. So collaborative effort. <laughs> okay, sure. Yeah. There's a lot that goes into it from, from a lot of different people, even though, you know, if you go to see uh, a reading, it may look like a simple thing uh, because they're not having to do all the blocking and, and, you know, all, all that stuff. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a big effort. So uh, before we talk a little bit more about the New Place Summit, I wanted to ask uh, just about casting, uh, you know, being a casting person in general. And I know, you know, most of the time you're working with, you know, maybe a, a talent agency or a casting agency or, or another casting person as part of uh, what you're doing. But like, what is the, what is the kind of the cadence look like over the course of a year? I'm sure you've kind of got ebbs and flows and, and, uh, but it's a long, long process, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, what is, what's so fascinating about, uh, the casting process is that we, I oftentimes, oftentimes once we get to opening night, like we just had opening night of laps in Spanish at the Denver center on Friday night. And it's just so funny because by the time we get to opening night, I've been working on this place. <laughs> and, you know, I think we cast it in late September, 2022. So we're now, uh, early February. Uh, so it is a long process. And so in the casting world, we're always kind of two steps ahead of the production itself. And so that's, what's really interesting is, is that I get to be one of the first people to get an insight into what the production is going to look like, because that is when directors are finding so many or are discovering so many different elements of the play, because oftentimes if it hasn't happened in a new play development process, this is the first time that they're hearing the words aloud in that audition room. So for me, that's one of the most exciting things about the casting process is it starts to 
I feel like this is the first time that the play really starts to take actual shape. But yeah, I mean, it's happening year round because we we will be announcing our season on um, towards the end of March, early April this year. And we're going to dive right into that casting process uh, and, and probably start casting our first show in early May. Um, and so, yeah, it's just it's it's super fascinating to me because we're already this this season is cast. So I'm already talking about next year and starting to think about what what next season is going to look like. And so that's always exciting that you get to kind of live in the moment as the productions are happening. But the foresight that you get with what will be happening is also very present in a casting role. Uh, but you, you know, you mentioned laughs in Spanish, which, which uh, I was there uh, on Friday as well for opening night. And so let's just talk about those two. Uh, so the lead actors are, are, are uh, uh, a woman running this art gallery in Miami, Mariana, and and then her her mother, who's kind of a, a fading Latina film star, or film star, I guess, um, who comes in to help. And so, like, just talk about how did you find them, and how many how many actors did you look at before you found them? So depending on the show, um, you know, we will ha- we. I I help kind of manage the entire casting process, but then we will have a casting agency in New York that assists us with casting. And so, like I said, uh, late September, early October, we went to New York and we had a casting process for this, for this particular production. And what was really fun about this production is Alexis Shear, who is the playwright for that production, knew so many people that were going to be an amazing fit for this show. You know, I think, like I said earlier, you know, there's oftentimes playwrights who are writing with actors' voices in their heads or just being able to visualize these certain actors on this stage. So it was just so fascinating because when we went through this casting process, I would say 90% of the people who walked through that room knew Alexis in some capacity, you know, that they had grown up together in Miami or they'd gone to school together. So it was just really beautiful to see because the room just felt so warm because there was already this inherent camaraderie that was coming into the room. So, you know, it was a, a it was a two to three day process that we went through. We probably saw, I would say, on average, 10 to 15 people per role. Um, and then, you know, we do the callback process where we start to narrow that down um, quite a bit to start to see probably three to four people per role. And then eventually we get to the final casting and just so thrilled. The the folks that you mentioned, Mariana, who is the gallery owner, is played by Stephanie Machado, who is just such a beautiful, beautiful actor. And I'm going to do a little plug for the summit now because she's also going to be featured in one of our uh, summit readings of Joan Dark. And so Stephanie, yeah, she's just brings such um, a great energy and presence to that role. And Maggie Bofill, who plays Estella, who is the um, the film star mother, is just she just blew us away through the casting process. I just remember um, being in that room going, it has to be this person because she's just so dynamic. She's just this beautiful actor. Um, and everything that she does. So it was just a, 
it, everything fell into place as it should. Um, and we are so thrilled with every single person that's up on that stage. Yeah. Here, Stephanie's is, was great. And St- Stephanie, if you, if you get to go see laughs in Spanish, the opening scene has this, just this enormously like rant of cussing and, and English and Spanish. It's just really, it's like worth the price of admission. It's just like, Whoa, just starts off. Yeah. She's great. Yeah. So yeah, the whole, the whole cast was uh, really, really great in that. So the other thing I wanted to ask you about was in, in casting is, you know, the mix of local talent, you know, Denver, Colorado has a, has a pretty deep talent pool. It's gotten better and better over the years. And, and you do a, a pretty good job of, of casting locals and, and kind of a mix. And I was just wondering what, what goes into that? Do you try to kind of go out of your way to find locals or are you just, just whoever's the best for the part? Or? Absolutely. I mean, the, the, Yes to everything that you said, you know, uh, featuring community in your community is obviously a very um, high priority for us at the Denver Center. And it does come down to oftentimes, you know, who is the best person for the role. But, you know, I think we are always seeking as we are talking about even season planning, we're thinking about ways that can really highlight our local actors, our community, whatever that may be. So, I I mean, the casting process is just, it's ever changing, you know? So you oftentimes, like I said, there is somebody, even a director might go, yes, I'm, I'm wanting to direct this piece and I really have this person in mind. And so then it's kind of my job to go, okay, if this is the person that you're really excited about and they're potentially going to be in this project, uh, how do I build a world based off of those, those ideas and those people that you're already bringing in. And um, but as you said, Denver Center ha- or Denver has such a really amazing pool of actors uh, in this area, you know, and, and that extends into Fort Collins and Boulder and Fort uh, Colorado Springs. And even then, as you get down to Creed and Creed Repertory Theater, there's a lot of amazing theater that is happening all around this state. Um, and, you know, last year we had, I think, I'm not going to remember this statistic, but we had a really amazing season that featured, you know, I think it was 63 different uh, local actors in our community. And a lot of that had to do with, you know, the um, production of Theater of the Mind, which was the new David Byrne immersive piece. We were really dedicated from the very beginning to make sure that that show was always featuring only local talent because we knew that we had that talent pool here and just knew that it would only increase the visibility of the show to say, Hey, it was built here in Denver. It's all local talent that is on this stage. Um, and it was just really exciting for me because we had some of the folks that we have worked with many times over, you know, people like Jess Austin or uh, Donnie Betts. But then it was really a fun introduction for us, for people who had never been on the DCPA stages before. So we got to know a lot of um, talent through that process as well. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's just always exciting to see our locals on our stages. Yeah, Theater of the Mind is a great example. My only problem with that, Grady, was that I wanted to see all of them. <laughs> yeah. Well, <that's, laughs> I was like, oh, man. Yeah. Then, should, then we could have gotten you in for a few more tickets. That's the trick, you know? Is, <laughs> okay, now I want to go see it with a different person. That was kind of my goal is, is that I wanted to see as many of the actors as possible just because I, and I didn't even get to see them all because it's 
kind of not possible, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, which is, there are quite a few of them, which is kind of exciting that, you know, there's an unknown entity out there that, um, somebody else got to experience, but maybe not us. Well, I saw the one with Abner Janice, who was great. So, uh, I oh, Abner's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. Well, um, I guess let's move on to talk a little bit more about the new play summit. So this, I was just looking uh, on the website at some of the statistics, but it, it goes back to 1979, but it became the, the new play summit in 82. Is that correct? It, a, a form of the new play summit at the time it wasn't called the new play summit, but yes, some iteration of the new play summit was happening in the eighties as well. Right. And so, so you came along, uh, about, like what 10 or 12 years ago and so what shape was it in now and how does that compare to today has it grown quite a bit since then yeah so when when i started with the artistic team in 2014 one of the reasons why my role was created at that time was the the summit had been happening um in this capacity for uh, now I'm going to get the numbers wrong, but uh, for about 10 years um, where, where it was the Colorado new play summit, we were dedicating at the time a week to that new play development. And then um, we were doing the public presentations that we were inviting industry folks, local communities, subscribers, all of those things. And in 2014, I was brought on because the 2015 summit, we were expanding to be a two week summit. Um, and so that just goes to show the, um, the success of the summit, you know, that we were, that, that the Denver center team was going, Hey, we have the audiences for this. We have the artists for this. We want to expand it into an entirely, uh, into another week so that it would be two weeks so that we can get more people in to be a part of this new play development process. So in 2015, we expanded it into a two week summit, which included the, um, which included the industry festival weekend in the second weekend, but then included a first weekend that was a launch pad for people to hear it once in front of an audience and then be able to go back into the development process and make those minor changes, big changes, add a character, add a character, whatever those things were to then be able to hear it in front of an audience again. And to my knowledge, there aren't many new play development processes in the country that allow that where you are able to hear it in front of an audience and then go back into the development process and then make those changes and then be able to test out those changes in real time, essentially, you know, you don't have to go back and say, okay, well, when we do the new, new play development process again in a year, or when, when we put it into production, we can see what these changes look like. They can, it's almost an immediate, uh, feedback loop that gets to happen with the summit. So I will say that that was probably the biggest growth and the biggest, um, marker of the summit success is that we were able to, expand it in order to help serve the the artists themselves but also because the demand was there for the audiences and we were able to sell out two weekends worth of new play development processes which is always exciting and you mentioned some of the people that are in the audience like but um, so there's a lot of uh, you know theater people and and um, uh, others like that how much of the general public shows up uh, for these uh, I think more than what people would assume um, because one thing that I wanted to mention too is is that since Denver Center's inception of the theater company 
there has always been a new play featured in every season. And so I think that Denver Center audiences are tuned to that. They're excited about that. And so I think that it is constantly bringing demand to the new play development process. So our subscribers in particular are very excited to be able to see the play from its inception with the new play development process to then see the full productions of some of the plays that get get produced in years to come. I think that there is a huge community here when we're talking about local community you know, there's new play development that's happening all over this state with a lot of the um, other regional theaters. You know, uh, Curious Theater has a huge new play development uh, program. A lot of the theaters up in Boulder have a new play development program. And that's just mentioning a few. So I think Denver has created a new play development culture that has locals itching to come see it. Um, and so I think that there's a lot of people who those are the things that they come see and they're not seeing anything else. Yeah. So, uh, you know, if you think about um, a, a lot of people haven't seen uh, a play reading, what would you tell someone like who says, oh, I don't know, I was sitting there watching them reading from a script. How fun is that? You know, um, but, it, you know, it really is fun to see that and then come back later. Like, you know, last year, you know, Rattlesnake Kate came back from the 2019 summit, as did yeah, how to the Egypt, which is uh, opening uh, here pretty soon, uh, which was a lot of fun. But what, what would you tell the people like what's what's uh, what's the uh, something that they should look forward to see reading? What I always find fascinating about a reading is in this instance, it really does make the story pop. You know, the actors are doing such amazing work to tell this story that you really do have to concentrate on the words that are being said and the story that is being told because you aren't, um, I don't want to say distracted because it's not distracting to see uh, production elements, but you're not, your eye is not moving to a beautiful set or a costume. You're really zeroed in on, on what the story is or what story is being told in front of you. So I think that that's what's so exciting. Um, and you've mentioned it, you've touched on it earlier. It's just to be able to see these amazing actors really make this story come alive. It's, it's bare bones, but to me, it's just as exciting because these actors are just doing amazing jobs to create the imaginary world that hopefully we will be seeing in a full production in years to come. So it, for me, for me, it, it challenges the imagination of the um, the audience because they're going, oh, yes, I can see that this what would happen here. They get to kind of uh, dream up how they would maybe want to see a production. And I think that that's what draws a lot of audiences to the new play process is they get to kind of decide for themselves what this production could look like. Yeah. You know, and it's like after a few minutes you forget, uh, and, and human mind has a great ability to, to paint pictures, uh, and you just find out, you know, a, a well-written play is going to be enjoyable, uh, without all this stuff. Right. So, all right, well, let's, let's just, uh, wrap up by just, uh, what, what are the, was it, is it four plays that people will see this year? Can you quickly yep. kind of tell us what those are? Yeah, we have, um, Joan Dark by, uh, Christina Pumagiera or Puma Riega, sorry, Puma Riega, 
Um, Joan Dark is just the story of a young Latina woman who dreams of becoming a Catholic priest. And um, she just wears her heart on her sleeve. She wants to make meaningful change within the religion, but also within her community and is constantly being um, coming up to barriers um, because it is predominantly a male driven um, organization. And so just all of the things that come with trying to break down barriers to get the things that you want. Um, and so just super excited about that piece. Um, the next one that we will be doing is The Suffragette's Murder by Sandy Rustin. Um, many people are going to know Sandy's work. I mean, she's done ama amazing work across the country, but uh, her version of Clue, based off of the board game, has is one of the most produced plays of 2022. And so, you know, uh, and I will say that the humor and the lightness of Clue is very much in this piece by Sandy. It's about um, uh, a suffragette's gathering at at a boarding house and what ends up happening is a police officer or a police investigator shows up to investigate a murder but while he's there he oh sorry one one element that i'm missing is is that this suffragette's party is always disguised as a seance okay. so that you know that the general public might not know what is going on and so a police investigator shows up um, to investigate a murder and actually kind of requires them to hold the seance. And they've obviously never done it because it's a guise for the suffragettes party. So they have to put on a fake seance uh, to appease this investigator and chaos ensues from there. So it's a really funny, um, you know, noises off comedy style of show. Um, so really excited about that because you know, as we have found coming back from pandemic, we need to have a good laugh in the theater as well. Another piece that we're going to be featuring this year is Polar Bears, Black Boys and Prairie Fringed Orchids by Vincent Terrell Durham. And this piece is just it's it's really heart wrenching because we are taking a lot of the social justice issues that are happening in America right now and and forcing many different folks from many different viewpoints to have a conversation about these things. Um, we're covering, you know, police brutality. We're covering Black Lives Matter. We're covering gentrification in the Brooklyn area. And like I said, it's it's a lot of people coming forward to have conversations and really tough conversations. Um, and I think Vincent has done such a beautiful job at highlighting all of the characters so that we see every point of view through the process. Um, and then the last piece that we have is called The Reservoir by Jake Brash. What is super exciting about this piece, and we didn't even know it when we were uh, looking to program it, but Jake himself grew up in Denver, uh, was a uh, student at Denver School of the Arts, was a volunteer at the Denver Center through their high school uh, career, and is now a playwriting student at Juilliard. And this play is about a young gay man who has to come back to Denver recovering from alcoholism. And in his, in his recovery, he is also grappling with the aging of his four grandparents and the relationship that he has to those four grandparents as they suffer with dementia, they are passing away and how he shows up in the world affects 
all of those relationships. And so as you're continuing to struggle through alcohol, what is that, what what is that alcoholism, the toll that it takes on the rest of the family? Um, So it's just this really beautiful work. I'm super excited to see what another, you know, what the Denver tie brings to this play. Um, So yeah, those are the four plays that are happening this year. I'm thrilled with all of the actors that are going to be coming through this year's new play summit. We're going to see a lot of people that you have seen on um, Denver center stages in previous productions. You're going to see a lot of local talent featured on um, these stages. You're going to see some actors that you've seen on your favorite television shows that are coming to Denver. So, um, and then on top of it, we have an amazing directing team this year. Um, you know, Don Stevenson, who has worked with Sandy Rustin for many years on many projects. Jamil Jude is going to be directing Polar Bears, Black Boys and Prairie Fringe Orchids. A lot of you will recognize Jamil's work as he was our director for Choir Boy. Shelley Butler is coming back to Denver. Her last piece that she did with Denver Center was um, The Constant Wife which was a super fun comedy uh, at the Denver Center, but she has gone through multiple new play development processes with us. And then Joan Dark is by, um, directed by Zoe Golub-Sass, who is the Associate um, Artistic Director over at Hartford Stage. And so, yeah, it's just this amazing group of artists that we are able to host in Denver working on these really beautiful and exciting plays. And so I'm just thrilled to have them all coming, choosing to come to Denver and 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 giving us a license to help them develop their work is really exciting. All right. Well, uh, if you haven't been, uh, definitely recommend people try and check out the, the New Place Summit. It's uh, February 25th and 26th is the, the public part of it. Uh, and you can, you can find out all about it on uh, dcpa.org. Grady Soaps, thanks so much for taking the time to visit with us today and, and tell us uh, all about this. We're definitely looking forward to, uh, to getting out to the summit and seeing what's, uh, what's new this year. Awesome. Thanks so much, Alex. That's it for this episode. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with the latest theater happenings and another interview with someone from the Colorado theater community. So be sure to subscribe to the Onstage Colorado podcast wherever you get your podcasts and check out our statewide calendar and all those reviews at onstagecolorado.com. We'll see you next week. <laughs>